Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, where you have the opportunity to ask an expert all of your questions about your small child. And today we're joined by Joe Ryan, sleep consultant with years and years of experience helping parents to navigate the sometimes tricky um, road that is raising children. You have a number of ways that you can ask Joe your questions. You can, uh, if you're watching us live via Facebook, you can pop your question below the video. You can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. This is a good option if you're listening to the podcast. We also have a helpline group on Facebook where you can post your questions and we'll put links in the notes of this episode on the podcast as well as on the Facebook Live if you would like to use any of those options. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hello, I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good. Joe is beaming to us from Melbourne where everything has been going fabulously, it sounds Mm. like. Yeah, we're very excited. Yes, you have your freedom back. Yes, and we seem to have gotten on top of the little outbreak, so that's good. Excellent. So hopefully uh, Sydney will follow suit soon, (laughs) which is where I'm speaking to you from. But let's get stuck into some of the questions we have today. Helena emailed us. She said, please help. My two years, three month old boy is a nightmare sleeper and always has been on and off. He wakes for huge, huge blocks in the middle of the night, sometimes up to four hours happy and wide awake. But other nights on the rare occasion, he sleeps through. So I know he's capable of it. We are so tired of going into his room and trying to resettle him when he cries as he is quiet when we pick him up but screams and screams the second he gets lowered back into his cot. We end up bringing him into bed with us but he just rolls around talking and is wide awake, mucking around for hours so even that doesn't improve the wakefulness. It just means at least we get to stay in bed but we have a terrible sleep. He has one day nap and usually, and I usually wake him after two hours or by 2.20 p.m. so he doesn't oversleep and he goes down for the night by 7.30 p.m. He's awake for five to ten minutes and goes to sleep on his own so I know he doesn't rely on me to get to sleep so he should be able to resettle himself in the night, right? He loves his dummies though of which I put seven in the cot with him so he can always find one. He's had a sleep study done and was diagnosed with mild mild sleep apnea and has since recovered from a tonsillectomy. So that is all done and sorted. And I was hoping for this to be the magical resolution to all his sleep issues, but it's not. Do you have any advice of what to do during these awake blocks and also any thoughts of something we should look into medically that can lead to insomnia like this? Well, that sounds pretty tough. Um, It's been going on for a long time and having a child awake for that many hours in the middle of the night is terrible. Um, I mean, tonsils and adenoids are obviously a huge culprit uh, in terms of uh, children waking up, small uh, sort of young children. Um, But I think also because he's probably had that, uh, he's learnt to sleep in this way and his body clock is probably set um, so there are c- certainly some things I would try. I, I would, um, so I would stop bringing him to your bed as, as you know, as much as that helps you guys doesn't really by the sounds of it, cause you're not really sleeping that well and he's tossing and turning. But if he thinks there's an opportunity to get out of his bed into your bed, which of course is like paradise, you know, why wouldn't he, you know, want that? So I think if you take that off the table, so go to him and settle him. Um, 
and look, it's going to be tough for uh, the first night or two, but just stick with it and be consistent. The other things I would look at would be what other things um, are you doing maybe overnight? Are you doing anything else uh, to giving him drinks or, you know, anything that might be contributing to wake-ups? I would also look at maybe cutting back his day sleeps just to make him a little bit tighter for a while. So maybe cap it at an hour, you know, um, maybe put him down at sort of 12.30 or 1 and have him up an hour later. Um, and then even if you had to put him to bed a little earlier, you know, maybe 7 uh, might help. Just to kind of some kids just have a quota, you know, and, and sometimes that quota is a little less than average. So um, just to make sure that he's not kind of oversleeping in the day. But, yeah, I would go to him at night. I would just be really calm, just try to reduce what you're doing, even if it's just a matter of sitting in the room beside him without too much interaction um, until he goes back to sleep. Um, but just think about what he's maybe getting, why maybe he's waking, what reward he might be getting for waking. Get, like I say, getting into your bed is a big one. So take that off the table. And, um I mean, otherwise, in terms of medical stuff going on, it's very hard to know. I mean, I would say if he's just a normal kid in the day that I don't think there'd probably be anything, you know. I mean, the things you look for are obviously tonsils, adenoids, that sleep apnea stuff, but also like gut things, you know, like maybe, you know, children with sensitivities, you know, they get a sort of sore tummy in the night sometimes. But if he's, if he's never had that, then I doubt that that would be what's going on now. But I think just trying to remove those things and just having a few um, nights being consistent like that, hopefully things should improve. Can I just ask a question, bringing myself back to Helena's um, point in life where I had a child who wouldn't sleep through. What's your take on uh, putting a mattress beside their cot? Because I know that some... Sure. I mean, it was just the worst sitting next, <laughs> sitting yeah. next to the padding. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I don't mind if... if Lying on a mattress, if it's going to be hours and hours, absolutely, you know, um, and but keep being present but not doing too much can be helpful, you know. So maybe that might help with him wanting to get out of the bed. It might, you know, not reduce the amount of wake time, particularly in the beginning. But then once you feel that he's getting it, then you can start, you know, maybe just going in and out rather than staying, you know. Mm. And she says that her little one's two and three months. Yeah. I know that my daughter dropped her day sleep when she was two and a half. If things yeah. don't sort themselves out by that point. You definitely, that... you could definitely try reduce. I would start by reducing it, you know, because some kids still just can't get through the day without, you know, a nap. Um, but yeah, I would cut it back to an hour, you know, and then see if that makes any difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good luck, Helena. It does yeah, sound like luck. a torturous two years. Mm. I mean, apart from, of course, having a lovely child, <laughs> the sleep is a hard one. Yeah. This question comes from Kira. She says, hello. It's from our Facebook inbox. She says, hello, your podcast has successfully helped us previously when my son wouldn't sleep in his own bed. Thank you. We've now had baby number four, who is 15 months old, exclusively breastfed, won't take a dummy or a bottle. She has not slept through the night once since she was born, not even joking. She won't self-settle as when she wakes, I instantly put her on the breast so she doesn't wake the whole house. 
my husband has epilepsy and he doesn't get enough, if he doesn't get enough sleep, it triggers a seizure. I work full time and get about three to four hours of broken sleep. Oh, Kira, that's so hard. I'm exhausted and not able to concentrate on my daily tasks. She's too old to take to the sleep center in my area. And as I drive my husband to and from work, 4.30 a.m. starts. He's unable to drive due to seizures. I don't know what else to do. I'm desperate. No bloody wonder, Kira. Yeah, that sounds pretty horrific. So, Kira, the thing is that it's the feeding overnight. So she's 15 months old. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't need that. So it's obviously just a um, comfort, you know, and babies get very used to. So every time she's coming into a lighter sleep stage, she's rousing um, because she's used to sucking on the boob and being maybe cuddled by you. That's not the same. So she wakes, she cries, she needs that to be re-established in order what she thinks to go back to sleep. So that's what you do. And every time you do it, you're just reinforcing that association, which of course is what we do because you know it works. But it doesn't really work in the long, you know, it's not really working because she's only going back to sleep for, you know, an hour and a half or two hours. So what you need to do, Kira, is drop that night feeding. She doesn't need it. She's 15 months old. She should be eating three meals a day plus snacks. So um, I think because you are so exhausted, you need to plan a time where you will go, okay, from tonight, I'm not going to do, I'm going to stop the feeding. So whether it be... I always suggest like a Friday night because you've got, you know, maybe the weekend you don't have to go to work if she's working full time. Maybe she could organise for some help to come in, you know, whether it be a relative or someone to come and help with the other children. Um, something so um, she can just focus on getting through that first night, you know. The first night is always tough, but I promise you she will always go back to sleep, Okay. So just rather than feed her, you can certainly pick her up, cuddle her, rock her to sleep in your arms, you know, if you have to, if she's very distressed because she's not going to like not being fed. She's been doing it her whole life and it's, you know, for her 15 months is a lifetime, you know. Um, so it's strong. So imagine like you're weaning her off, you know, a lifetime of cigarettes or, you know, like it's a lifelong habit for her, right? So it's going to be tough and she's going to be like, well, I don't know how to go to sleep without the boob, you know. So she will be freaking out. So you just need to pat her back to sleep, pick her up, rock her, keep putting her down, pat, 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 pick her up, rock her, put her down. Be prepared for it to be a couple of hours of her being awake, okay? But I promise you she'll go back to sleep, okay? So all night you need to do that. You'll have one period where it's really long. The other ones should be shorter, okay? So you need to be prepared. Set the room up so that you've got a chair or something comfortable to sit in so you can lean into the cot comfortably, you know, um, or sit on the floor and put your hands through the bars, whatever you need to do, um, and stick with it, okay? After the first night, things will improve dramatically, okay? Make sure she's getting plenty of food during the day because her appetite will increase in the day because you're cutting off all that milk overnight, um, so just feed her up in the day. Night two will be even better. Night three will be even better. Okay. So um, just stick with it. And I promise you things should get better reasonably quickly. Okay. That's um, such a lovely thing to aim for, getting things yeah. 
sorted but I just wanted to mention while I've got a second that um, if you're listening and you would like a bit of guidance Joe has a um, support program that we're putting links to in the notes of this episode but also if you're watching us live via Facebook you can check the comments below and you should um, have a look and see what that program is like just to sort of give you some guidance when you say Joe sometimes Mm. it helps just to have that in front of you and some tips yeah it's it's a sort of a step it steps you through what you need to do and it supports you so I think um, sometimes when you start these things without support you're not really sure how to do it and you start and then you're like oh you're not kind of aware of what to expect when we start these things so if your baby's awake for half an hour or 45 minutes you're like oh well this this can't be right so just understanding what to expect I think helps and having a bit of information I always think you know arm yourself with as much as you can um, is also very helpful yeah and I sincerely hope Kira there is a relative that can come in and help you Mm through the night because I know from the years of doing this program that it's very hard to wean a babe off the breast if your breasts are there in front of them Mm. so if it's somebody else's breasts yeah like if she could get if she could get someone else to help her with the settling too particularly on the first night Mm. I know her husband probably can't do that but someone like a grandmother or a grandparent or you know a friend or someone um, that will help. She'll always be the most distressed and hold out the longest when Kira's doing it. But, you know, Kira might have to there. do it. You can still absolutely get there. Yeah. All right. Good luck, Kira. I hope things improve soon for you. This next email is from Alexandra on our Facebook Live. She says, how do I prepare my baby for my older child's drop-off starting soon? My baby likes to sleep between 8 to 10 a.m. and tends to fall asleep in the car at that time. I'm worried I will have a very grumpy baby always being woken up and taken out of the car seat for school drop-off. It's too far to take the pram. Yeah, look, these things are just what you have to sort of do and babies second third fourth babies kind of adapt adapt you know Uh, I'm not quite sure how old the baby is um, but you know as the baby grows they will be able to stay awake a bit longer so you know it might not be terrible you know Um, you might be able to get back before they have their morning nap Um, but it, it, it is just what it is you know unfortunately and that morning nap might become quite a sort of disjointed or shorter nap just kind of accommodate that in for the rest of the day. You know, if she ends up having kind of um, like a 45-minute nap instead of a two-hour nap, um, that's not terrible. Just don't keep them up for too long and then put them down for a second nap a bit sooner and they may need a third nap on those days or whatever, you know, um, to get them through until they're a bit older. Um, if your baby wakes up when you get home and, you, you know, they've had sort of 15 minutes nap and you want to put them back down, sometimes it's better to keep them up for about half an hour rather than try to put them straight back down because some babies, particularly as they get a bit older, they kind of, if they have even a 10-minute nap, they go, all right, I'm done, that's my nap, you know, yeah. even though you know they're not done. So you need to let them get tired again and then put them down. So do a little bit of play on the mat or something for half an hour little bit of activity and then when you notice the yawning or the kind of you know rubbing of the eyes pop back down again and and continue the nap that way yeah it there is no miracle kind of solution unfortunately with school drop off or you know school run it's just um 
you just sort of have to make it work for you as best as possible. I remember when um, my son Arlo was very small, we, I, because it was my second, I deliberately got what I used to envy other mothers for and that was the capsule that you could take out of the car and into the pram mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be a life changer yeah and then I realized just how freaking heavy those things are <laughs> so when I used to drop my um, daughter off at kindergarten I'd often have to take like he could be asleep still but you can't leave him sleeping in the car no. so just to walk her across the road I'd have to lock him out and raining and he'd stay asleep but uh, it's interesting because those things as well only last for as long as they can fit lying down in yeah. the car seat and before you know it yeah and if it's a car up. seat that you have to you know clip in then you there's a lot of kind of getting that kid out is difficult you know <laughs> so very rare that they stay asleep yeah. yeah so unfortunately you just have to try to make it work as best as possible well those are good hints aren't they as well in terms of just trying to make it work yeah over the rest of the day because I mean we forget right like if I need a nap not that I often get the chance to have one but if I haven't had much sleep and then I want to sleep in the afternoon I can still get to sleep yeah so just because it's not the time they usually sleep if Ooh. they're tired anyway <laughs> that's my exactly. expert opinion exactly yeah that I never took myself okay the next question comes from Nelly on Facebook live she says my three-year-old co-sleeps with us us and has done since she was 10 months old and we want her to get her get her out of our bed now I've tried sleeping with her in her bed but she won't fall asleep there what should I do to get her to sleep in her own bed wait till she's 18 <laughs> I'm joking she'll probably Ellie. she'll probably want to do it before then I would think <laughs> you hope so you would hope so um look I think you need to make it you know uh, I mean attractive or appealing in some way three-year-olds are generally at an age where they you know can understand and and can get excited about that so you know I don't know whether you can I'm sure you've done this you know she has her own bed you know she helps choose the kind of sheets or the you know pillows or whatever goes on the bed so she can um enjoy you know and be excited but it is a bit of a process so perhaps you know you could get we go back to the mattress on the floor you know get a mattress on the floor and lie with her not in the bed but on the floor until she goes to sleep and you know as much as she might protest about I want to go to your bed you'd go no this is exciting I'm going to stay here we're going to have like a a sleepover tonight you know um, and maybe start like that, you know, and then get yourself out of the room once you feel that she's, you know, got used to it. But it is a bit of a, yeah, I mean, some kids are very excited to move to their own beds and others are very still attached to sleeping with their parents. Um, so it needs to be a gentle and gradual thing. So even a couple of nights a week you could start, you know, doing it that way, Um but, yeah, I would just, I would be with her and try to reassure her and kind of, you know, try to work it through that way if you can. And I'm also going to throw in a shout-out to Kindling's Bedtime Explorers because I think yeah. three-year-olds can really respond to that. Totally. So we'll put the links to that in the notes and uh, on the Facebook Live as well. But that's basically a like a meditation, sleep mm. meditation program for kids that Kindling, our sister company, have produced and they are beautiful. Yeah, Which my kids still listen to them, but unfortunately, they're too old now. <laughs> they're great, but yeah, they and work. it's a way for her to relax and you know, um, be calm. And you can listen, to, you know, you listen to it with her, and you know, it's mm. a nice way to go off to sleep. So, and yeah. it's kind of company, isn't it? Do you yeah, think, Joe, that yeah. sound of that voice, 
Yeah, I think mm. so. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, I guess it's just about separation too. So, you know, having that noise, also making sure that you, you know, when you are leaving her in the room that you're checking in regularly. And I find that often you can just say, oh, I'm going, I'm going to do this, give them a reason for leaving. I'll be back in three minutes or four minutes or five minutes, always come back when you say you will. You know, you've just got to build up that trust because these, you know, she's been close to you guys now for pretty much her whole life. So it's a, it's a big, big change. This question comes from Grace on Facebook Live. She says, my 18-month-old has become so difficult to get to sleep at night. She will scream for hours on end but will calm down instantly when we go into her. She's waking in the night a few times and will scream out until we go in. I think it's behavioural and I just don't know how to crack it. We've tried controlled crying, retreating, standing at the door, talking to her. Last night, my husband slept on the floor next to her cot. She goes to sleep easily during the day with no screaming and will sleep from 12.30 till 2.30 or 3. I've started to wake her up after two hours. Bedtime is usually 7.30. Okay. So she's 18 months old, did you say? Yes. So 18 months old, 18 months is like a peak separation anxiety period. So often they do start to do this, you know, screaming um, for parents. Um, you know, it will pass. I would just, I would tend to not leave her and let her scream because what happens is that can just exacerbate the separation issue that maybe she's feeling. So I'm more of a go to them and maybe just reassure until she's calm and then step back, retreat a little bit. Or even just for a couple of days, just stay with her and just stroke her back until she goes back to sleep. You know, it's just about kind of nipping that anxiety in the butt and, and, and helping her transition through it. I think sometimes when we just, um, you know, do controlled crying or those sorts of things, it can just exacerbate that issue and they get a bit more like, oh, where are they? Are they coming back? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> So we want to build up her confidence again. You want to build up the trust that you guys are around, you know, that you will come when she needs you. And then often it will pass, you know, a little bit more smoothly. But um, I think capping her day sleep is a good idea. You could also try if she's, toddlers get very tired very quickly as well. So particularly if she's at childcare or, you know, you're away, or, you know, there's a lot of activity going on, which happens in holidays. Um so also maybe you could try just putting her to bed half an hour earlier, you know, because sometimes putting them to bed a little bit earlier helps with the going off to sleep and then they, they go off to sleep not so overtired and they have a better sleep as well. They don't kind of wake up with a fright and, and scream. Yeah, so those sorts of things can also help. Good luck with that, Nellie. Grace, oh, sorry, that was Grace. Good luck, Grace. Rhiannon from Facebook Live says, I need help with toilet training. My three-year-old in mid-December goes to daycare four days a week in a row. He's the youngest in the room by a few months. For a couple of months, they've been toilet timing him. He happily goes and does wheeze. But at home, I get a flat out no when I ask if he wants to try a wee on the toilet. I didn't push the issue because he's not three yet. The last two weeks, daycare told me how he just takes himself to the toilet and gets on the <laughs> toilet on his own and is doing wheeze. They tell me he's doing amazing on the toilet. So over the last week, I've really tried to get him on the toilet at bath time. I ask if he would like to try. He will now sit on the toilet for five seconds if I'm lucky and then demands to get off. I tell him as a good boy for trying and we will try again next time. 
daycare is telling me they reckon he's ready to move out of nappies, but I'm too scared to try because I have had zero success at home. What would be the best way to go ahead? He started three-year-old kinder today. Well, I mean, I think that if daycare is telling you that, you might, you know, why don't give it a go? Like, don't, don't stress him out by it, but maybe, you know, today we're going to wear undies and see how we go, you know. And I think too sometimes when there's a lot of pressure, you know, and it's not kind of overt pressure, but just that like, do you want to go to the toilet? Do you need to go to the toilet? Should we go and sit on the toilet? How about we sit on the toilet? You know, that they <laughs> just get a bit like, no, you know. Um, I want to do it my way here. Whereas at childcare, he he knows he has to conform and that's what all the kids are probably doing as well. So they want to be like the other kids. Whereas at home, it's much more relaxed. So I think he will do it. Like he will always do it. So don't, don't stress out too much. Maybe just wind the pressure back a little bit and just say today, you know, um, whatever reason, we're going to wear undies and you know, let's see how we go. You know, mm. you let me know if you need to do a week and just leave it at that. And he might have a few accidents, but, you know, it's summer and hopefully, you know, most of the day he can be, you know, um, you know, if he's got undies on, you you know, you're kind of around outside or whatever, you know. Um, and I just think that, you know, once he's probably done it himself at home, then he'll just, it'll just kind of happen, you know, I think. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much. But I think if childcare are happy to take him out of uh, nappies there, you could definitely start with that. Mm. Kerry on Facebook Live asks, uh, do you have any advice for an 18-month-old who has had feeding issues since birth? He hardly eats anything and refuses to sit at the table. Sometimes I get him to eat whilst he's in the bath. He loves his bath. He still has a mm. bottle of formula before bed and wakes up for one during the night. How do I get him to eat more actual food and get him to sit at the table? Yeah, so I would cut out the night bottle, okay, because he doesn't need that at 18 months. And sometimes it's it's like having a big milkshake in the middle of the night, you know, and if you woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and had a big milkshake, you kind of wake up not particularly hungry, you know. So that's the first thing I would do. Having the bottle at bedtime is totally fine. Um, but, you know, I think... Um, Sitting for meals is tricky for toddlers, but it's always a good thing to do. Like, but keep it short, you know, don't prolong the whole exercise. And a good thing is for you to sit down and eat with him, you know, so that, you know, they take their cues from you. So, you know, you sit down and eat, maybe share your food with him. So eat exactly what he's eating, share your food a bit and keep it short, maybe 15 minutes, you know, that's probably 10 to 15 minutes is probably enough. Offer snacks in the day. Um, as well but you could also give him you know smoothies with you know yogurt fruit you know add some lsa or some other things to bulk it out a bit if you were worried about his weight i mean it doesn't say what his weight is but um just remember that toddlers are notoriously fussy eaters they'll love something one day and hate it the next and we've kind of got to trust that their body knows a bit too what they want you know um it's when we start saying, no, you need to eat this amount, you know, or you need to eat this now is sometimes when we kind of, they learn to switch off their actual kind of response, bodily response to food, which is what's happened to all of us as we've grown up. So we don't really know when we're hungry and when we're not hungry. Um, so, you know, just kind of trust as long as he's gaining weight, you know, he might just be a naturally light sort of 
birdie bird eater, you know, and there are those kids around. But I would, yeah, cut out the night food, sit down with him for 10 to 15 minutes, you know, make that a ritual, you know, like this is our ritual. We sit down for breakfast, lunch and dinner, other times offer snacks on the go, smoothies, you know, high caloric foods, um, you know, if you're doing potatoes, mashed potatoes, I must add cream rather than milk because that's got high calories. If that's what you're worried about. Those sorts of things. Yeah. But try not to put too much pressure because, again, he's a toddler and he'll go, no. Anything to um, push the boundaries. That's right. Exactly. I, I'm probably going to slip one more question in here. This is from Andrea on our emails. She says, um, help, I'm exhausted and desperate. I wrote a few months ago asking about toddler aggression. At the time, we both agreed it was due to struggles of communicating, but now I know it's not. How do I stop this behaviour? It's exhausting and embarrassing, and he's on the verge of being asked to leave his daycare. My son will be two at the end of the month and still not verbal. My older son wasn't verbal until almost three without any other issues, so we're not concerned. We will discuss talking with his doctor next month for his two-year visit. He's in daycare five days a week, and none of the other children there are aggressive. He's been hitting for almost six months now and just last week started biting. He knows he's wrong because he watches and waits until the adult turns their back and then he'll do it. Almost always there is no communication reason for it. When he's trying to communicate but we're not understanding or paying attention to know he wants something, he just cries. This aggression is something else. Today daycare said he was playing fine and she went into the other room to answer the phone and as soon as she got back to the room, um, sorry, went back. As soon as she left the room, she heard another child cry. When she went back, the child told her my son bit her and she did have a mark on her arm. I'd think that if he was out for the attention, he'd do it in front of us and not wait until we're not looking. If his aggression is not because of communication or attention, then why? Is this something I should be concerned about? We stay calm and tell him hitting and now biting hurts and are consistent in removing him from the situation. On days it doesn't seem to stop, we've tried timeout for up to two minutes. All of this seems to fix it for the moment, but almost six months later he's still still doing this. Yeah, look, I think um, toddlers are, you know, he's, he's not consciously seeking attention or consciously being frustrated because he can't communicate. So these things still have ways of showing themselves, even though you say it's not related to a particular incident, it still could be his way of processing his frustration through not being able to communicate or his frustration um, that he feels like he's not getting, you know, he's seeking attention or, you know, that that's just a normal toddler behaviour to seek attention. You know, they are, uh, they are, they're just narcissistic creatures. That's just the way they work. They don't have the ability to understand anyone else's point of view till much later. So, so for whatever reason, um, it's probably a combination of all of that. And it's very hard because he can't tell us, you know. So I'm not a huge fan of timing out just because children that young don't, can't associate why they've been removed, it's better to time in. So it's better to embrace him and, and try to put words to what he might be 
feeling or going through. I can see that you're angry. You know, I can see that you're upset or I can, I, I feel that you're frustrated, you know, or something, even though it's kind of an adult concept, it does help, you know. Um, I would be communicating with the childcare centre a bit more and asking them about, which I'm sure she's doing, but finding out like, I mean, to throw a two-year-old out of childcare just seems really extreme. I mean, there's obviously something going on for him, you know. So why, what are they doing about it? Like, what are they doing to help as well? You know, I would be sort of asking them to help put some kind of process uh, or some kind of plan in process that they can work together. They're the experts, supposedly, you know, as well. So I would ask them to help, you know. I would also be conscious of what's going on at home, like, um, he's a younger child, so there's an older sibling. Um, is he getting one-on-one um, -on -one time with mum, you know, just 10 to 15 minutes a day without the other child around or dad or someone, you know, where it's just about him because some children really, most children need that, particularly when they're younger siblings, you know, some sort of one-on-one -on -one time where it's just about them, you know, it's hard in a, in a family. But if you can sort of try to make time for that might not be every day but as often as you can where it's just about him okay and you're doing what playing a game with him taking him to the park whatever it might be okay that can really help I don't know how long he's been at childcare. starting childcare is a big thing you know and that might just he might be overwhelmed with his feelings and he's not quite sure how to deal with that so that's his way of um, expressing that feeling of overwhelming so it, there's a lot to think about I mean I would just try to envelop him in love and and really like we're here for you you know obviously there's consequences to hitting and biting you know removing him but also but removing him and keeping him close to you and saying to him that that hurts you know um we don't do that you know and just repeating that you know routinely um can help but it, it, it is tough I would I would talk to his your GP about his verbal stuff and whether you know they think it needs some early intervention stuff um but you know he's two I mean a lot of two-year-olds don't speak yet you know but and they're so small like yeah so small um so you know I mean uh, yeah I'd be talking to childcare and seeing exactly what's going on there. Like, is there an older child that maybe is kind of, you know, do, you, you know, who knows what I would be watching what's going on and getting some feedback, more feedback from them and, and some help, asking them for some help rather than saying we're going to throw your child out of childcare. I mean, that just, that mm. to me just does not seem helpful. No, not at all, not even remotely. <laughs> no. What is helpful, however, is mm. your advice, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. That's okay. And uh, if you want to have a one-on-one -on -one session with Joe, she is part of Babyology's Parent School, so you can look online and chat and actually have a conversation where it allows Joe to be much more flexible in and understanding of what your family is like what your composition is like and how things might work for you so those links in the notes of the episode on how you can find that i also mentioned earlier that we have 
just um, uploaded, I think there's a support program uh, from Baby Bliss, which is Joe's business, that um, is a program with tools and information that will help parents understand babies sleep better. Wish, wish, wish I had had that before my children. <laughs> it really does help to give your, uh, give a perspective of what is natural and normal for babies instead of listening to all those people saying their baby is sleeping through you actually yeah. work out what is developmentally appropriate, which is very helpful. Mm. Um, we will be back next week with Chris Minogue. So if you have any questions, please feel free to email us through at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. I'll see you next week and I'll see you soon, Joe. Bye-bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.